0: Hi everybody, this is Keeping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational Podcast. And I'm Cherie Silas and I'm gonna be your host today. And I have with me Diana Larson and our topic is the Agile Fluency Conversation. You might know Diana from being in the community. She's a huge contributor of the community. She's an author and she has um, spent a career helping others become more agile. So Diana, I'm going to hand this to you. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Oh, thank you. Well, um, you're right. I've, I've been in the community for a long time. I joined in, um, right in the very early 2000s, uh, got introduced to some folks in the late 1990s and uh, joined the community very early on. And, um, and it's because I really did find a home here. Um, Mm -hmm. I found the people who were doing the kind of work that I, that I was also drawn to. And so it's really been my privilege to, um, contribute some books that people have, have enjoyed and have have said nice things about, Um, and, and then also to be able to contribute by, um taking leadership positions, like with the Agile Alliance Board and, and um, on various conferences and those kinds of things, and, and speaking and, you know, starting businesses that help others uh, do this work as well. So um, that's, you know, that's that's the contribution I'm proudest of. and um, And I just feel so fortunate to have been surrounded by the community of people and community of other contributors that um, have you know, moved all of our work forward together.
0: Yeah, and your work carries on. I hear people all the time talking about the retrospectives book, right? Yeah. You, you and Esther actually laid the foundation and said, this is what it mm-hmm. looks like, here's the model. Um, and then your liftoff book a few years ago, right? Really, really great work. So um now we're talking about this agile fluency conversation and so help help us to understand a little bit about well, what does agile fluency actually mean
1: well um agile fluency is a it's actually a model we call it the agile fluency model and it's a way of thinking about the behaviors, the kind of learned behaviors that teams of people need to accomplish, um, in order to provide the kind of business benefits and the job satisfaction and other kinds of things like that, that we're all looking for, um, to, to the work. And so our, um, James Shore and I a number of years ago first in 2012 and then again we updated in 2018 an article that Martin Fowler published on his website and called the agile fluency model and um, and and we also have that mo- that article in the form of an ebook because it's a little bit easier to read on on mobile devices and smaller screens um, that you can freely download on our website, but, um, but the idea behind it is, and, and I love, I love the theme of your podcast because that's what I think. I think we all need to find every organization, every team, every group of people that are forming a team need to find the agile that is best fit for the outcomes that they want, for the nature of the thing they're building, for all, all of those things together, there are, there are lots of w- approaches to doing agile out there to um, to getting those benefits from agile, and and you know the the idea that there's only one way just there's too much diversity in business and in, in the kinds of, I mean, software, what somebody said, software is eating the world but, you know, it, you're hard put to find any business, any practice, any profession, any industry that doesn't, it doesn't rely on a software component at this mm-hmm. point. And so it's everywhere and we need to be doing it. Well, we need to be doing and by doing it. Well, I mean, we create the business or organizational benefits that are needed, and we create the job satisfaction that is needed. And um, so that people can keep doing the work, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of circular, right? So um, so fluency, agile fluency, I mean, it was really based on the idea of um, language fluency. James Shore and I were having a conversation about a workshop that we'd been presenting that was you know like a lot of workshops it got really good uh, feedback at the end and people had observations that we wanted to take into account and so we were looking through the feedback and thinking about how do we is there anything we want to tweak in this workshop to have in any way we want to improve it make it better and and we tried a couple of different ways and we weren't really satisfied with it and We both had had been exposed to the idea of language fluency Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that the American Council for the Teaching of Foreign Language, Axel, kind of put and, and I think there's a there's a council like this pretty much in every language family, but had said, you know, there's not just one way to be fluent it really is about what you're trying to accomplish. Mm. There's a certain, you know, you can be completely and totally fluent in the language that you need to be a tourist. Mm. You can be completely and totally fluent in the language that you need to just go live in a neighborhood and interact with your neighbors and tell stories about what happened over the weekend and that sort of thing. There's a language that you might need if you were going to be a public speaker or teach at a university, right? And so there isn't ever just one fluency in a language. There is the fluency level that is right for your usage. Mm -hmm. And so we started taking that analogy and saying, well, what about agile teams? Are there Uh, you know, are there different situations that agile teams find themselves in that might require different fluent use? So in other words, different proficiencies and the the skills that they need, what what can they do well? Uh, What can they do? And then the definition of fluency is what you do naturally without thinking about it. You know, those of us that are born into a language are Pretty much fully fluent because we we speak that language without thinking about it. We know what the right appropriate response is in any given situation. Well, what if we thought about agile teams that way? How, how do we create agile teams that can know what situation they're in and then always know what the right response is and just do that with just routinely? without having to stop and think about it or stretch into it or any of those kinds of things. Mm. So we started doing some research to um, talk to a lot of people, uh, exposed our ideas a number of times. I love open space conferences. So we'd take our ideas to our uh, regional open space conference here in the Pacific Northwest, Agile Open Northwest. And we'd show it to folks and say, well, what do you think? Are we on the right track? And in general, we got the response that you're on the right track, but have you thought about this or have you thought about that? And so we'd go back and we'd incorporate that into it, until we got to a place where all the people we were talking to were saying, you know, this is ready to be exposed to the public, and that's when we wrote and and published the first article. And and then we thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> all that
0: just to publish an article. Yes. Yes, well, just to publish the article,
1: but we wanted to get this idea of what does it mean to be, for a team to be fluently agile, right? And, and what are the sort of differences that you might, you know, like, are you a tourist or are you living in a neighborhood? What are the differences, you know? Um, and, um, and then we started getting questions. From folks, when we would tell them about that, or they had read the article, they'd say, "Well, so how do we apply this? So how do we figure out, you know, now what? Now what? Now that we have this model, of, this way of thinking about things, how do we apply it? What do we do with it?" And um, so then we started thinking about that, and that's the second. Um, the second iteration of the article replaced the first one that's now up on Martin Fowler's website and in our ebook, reflects all that learning that we did between 2012 and 2018 about how what is the actual application? How do you implement fluency um, in your teams and in your organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it's really about we use sometimes the analogy of riding a bus. Um, a, a dear colleague Bonnie Allman told us of this little story about a yoga class that she was in and we we borrowed it. And um, the idea is that you you get when you get on a bus, you only ride it the place where you want to get off right, yes, <laughs> right? yeah <laughs> you don't write it all the way to the to the outer suburb zones where the big box stores are if what you really wanted to do was go to your doctor's office that's just in another neighborhood in town or, or whatever right mm-hmm. and so that's the idea behind the agile fluency model or you know in, and in language fluency as well you can stop at tourist level fluency, but if you wanna go live in a neighborhood, you're still gonna need that tourist level fluency skills, but then you're also gonna to need to be able to you know, have a logical conversation with the utilities provider or what, you know, whatever it might be. So, um, so we were looking at how does that, how did that work together? And, and the, our idea is the team rides the bus, the team figures out, you know, the team and the organization together figure out the destination. They want the team to be what, what, what zone we call it, you mm-hmm. borrowing bus zones, what zone of fluency does this team need? And then, so then the team's going to ride the bus to get there. The team's going to acquire all the skills and the routine Um, implementation of those skills to get there, but the organization has to buy the ticket. So Mm -hmm. it requires organizational investment in order to help the team get to where it needs to go to give the business then back what they need. So it's a kind of help us help you situation, right? Mm -hmm. And it's working together. And so, but, and what we discovered um, for us was that teams the team behaviors were the best indicator of what was going on in the larger organizational system. How much support was the organization giving its teams in order for them to produce what was needed. And so that in general is the idea behind the, the model and uh, and why we called it, Agile fluency. Uh, how, how do you become fluent in Agile?
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: first you have to figure out what, you know, what is it you're trying to accomplish. And then when we know what you're trying to accomplish, we can identify the fluency you need to accomplish that. And then that tells us where you need to build more skilled proficiency, more mastery um, in your team. Yeah. And so it's not that every single person on the team needs to have all those masteries, but the team as a whole needs to be able to draw on all that mastery.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, D- Diane, as I listen to you talk about this, um, some things really stick out to me. Um, this um, word of fluency, right? The, okay. the teams need to have fluency. What I often hear is team maturity. Yeah. and to me that has always kind of been like they're not children why are you talking about maturity right it doesn't make sense so I, I really like this use of fluency and the same thing with you know when when coaches go into a company and they're like we're going to do agile transformation and I don't even know that customers clients know what that means right. but this concept of building fluency so you can, do what you want, yeah. what you need, get where you want to be fluidly, right? right. Um, and and then the last thing that I think is really huge is what I don't hear is, here's my framework, you're the, here's my box, now right. you get in it, and I'm going to right. cram you down in there, and I'm going to make sure that you've got everything yeah. the box holds. Right. And so I really, really appreciate that. Right. Right. And I think that's
1: that is one of the things that we end up talking about a lot um, with the, the folks who come to us to learn about um, the agile fluency model and what we call the agile fluency suite, all the other materials that we've built around it so that people can use it. Um, that that it really is about moving from being able to say, I'm a scrum coach or I'm a safe coach, which is good. I mean, that's great. People, I love people learning. And so, and you can demonstrate your learning and that's fabulous. But there comes a point at which you need to sort of move beyond that and say, I understand extreme programming. I understand scrum. I understand safe. I understand Dad. I understand less. I understand... You know whatever the toolbox is that the bigger toolbox is that is most um, uh, most relevant to the person who wants to use those those tools and be able to say and I know when I use a Phillips screwdriver I'm going to keep that toolbox thing going when I need to use a Phillips screwdriver and when I need to use a flat screwdriver and they're both good tools. But they show you use them in different places, and and so being able to pick and choose among the practices and among the proficiencies, um, and among the, you know, even I dare I say it, the mindsets <laughs> that are that are kind of inherent in each of those frameworks and methodologies, uh, being able to say this is I I, I have a nuanced view and. This is what's going to fit best in this for for this team in this organization, and let's yeah. work with them from there. So start from where they are, mm-hmm. and um and it makes me sad when um, I guess the people are always wanting to know. Well, so if you're not you know associated with one of these methodologies, you know what what is your competition or what is your and my competition is anybody who comes in and says, one size fits all. Uh, after having grown yes. up my whole life yes. as a woman who is a larger sized woman, I know one size does not fit all. Not. <laughs> it does not. It doesn't. So how do, we, how do we develop the discernment that it takes to figure out, well, what is the right size here? What is the right selection and combination? that fits here and that you know that takes some additional um a, additional ways of looking at things
0: yeah. yeah and just because you can squeeze into it doesn't mean it fits <laughs> <That's> right. Right? <laughs> just so, because you can does not mean you should right right and yeah. and so so we're talking a lot well, and of- actually
1: i'm sorry but the opposite of that is also sometimes people put on clothes that are way too big for them <laughs> right and they really need a smaller size yes yeah. and that's what we're really after at the agile fluency yeah. project and what's the right what's the right configuration for you
0: so yeah so we're talking a lot about fluency and i i heard you say that it's it's the agile fluency model which mm-hmm. tells me there's some kind of method or thinking that goes in there. Um, mm-hmm. so can you talk a little bit about that model piece? Uh, sure. And and you know, the
1: quickest way to learn about it, I'll just tell everybody, is to mm-hmm. go to our the homepage of our website, agilefluency.org, and there's like a 10 minute video ah, <laughs> that is perfect. that is the the quick overview of the Agile Fluency model, because it does have a lot of pieces and parts. Um, But the idea is that we identified, again, what we call zones of fluency, four zones. And actually, maybe it's like five and a half zones. Because we also say, you know, there are folks who are what we call pre-agile. They haven't just made a choice to going to go agile yet. And it Mm. may be that where they are is just fine. If they're working on some kind of software that is a repeatable process and that, you know, they've built before and they know how to do it, you know, some kind of phase development approach where, where there's only a couple of of individual contributors and the managers telling them what to do that might fit, you know, that might fit. We don't spend a lot of time describing that in any of the, things that we do, because that's not interesting to James and I.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So where we get interested is where people say no, that no longer is sufficient for us. We actually need to try some of this team stuff, some of this cross-functional stuff, some of this, you know, and some of this agile. And so, so where we start really describing is in the zones. And the first zone that we get to, we call focusing zone. Mm -hmm. And that is where a a group of people really learn how to work collaboratively as a team, how to produce together, how to shift their mindset from thinking in terms of what's of components or uh, what's technically cool to what can we build that's going to return value to our customers and our business, which is a really different way of thinking about things. So that's, and that's a big, a big kind of cult work culture shift to make from individual contributors building components to a group of people building according to value and according to valuable stories or whatever. So, um, so that's a shift that happens there. So, we gain fluency in building together in that way. That usually means we also need to gain some fluency in um, working with. Uh, an internal person, like uh, some kind of business liaison, an on site customer, a product owner, somebody who can help us as a team understand what's valuable and what's the next most valuable thing. And then we also start building in fairly small chunks. Um, and, and so that we can, if we learn after we've delivered a few things, if we learn what we thought we were supposed to build isn't exactly what's going to fit the situation, and we need to redirect or you know refocus our energies, we can do that without having created a lot of waste. So you know, it's building small, delivering or producing, um, and then and moving forward in that way, um, not. I mean, we need some really good basic software skills, software programming skills in that, in that zone, but we don't have to get too fancy just yet. And then, uh, and that actually, it ends up working pretty well in a lot mm-hmm. of situations. And, and the methodologies that people often use is they go back to the Agile manifesto and they'll say, you know, let's create something that fits all these values Right. or, Or they'll pick up basic scrum or kind of basic Kanban, depending on the nature of the work. And, you know, kind of the fundamental pieces. We often call the focusing zone agile fundamentals. It's like the basic idea of what you need to how you need to shift your thinking so that you can you can work in this new way. But that's not sufficient for everybody. Um, so it doesn't work for everybody. So sometimes people need to ride the bus a little further. (laughs) I feel another zone coming. (laughs) Yeah, I feel another zone coming to what we call the delivering zone. And here we're actually shifting into a broader view uh, where we're not only thinking about what we're building and making sure that it's valuable, but that we're also thinking about how does it fit in our larger organization? So now the team may have DevOps in mind or UX in mind, it becomes the cross functionality of the team starts getting a little more diverse. Um, and, and we need really good engineering skills because now we're looking at release at will. Now we're looking at continuous delivery, continuous integrate, the continue I, continuous integration, <laughs> continuous delivery, continuous deployment. Um, on an as-needed basis, and now we're working with our our business, what we call our business representative, whether that's product management, product ownership, uh, again yeah, on-site customer, whoever that might be, business analysts. Sometimes now, um, you know, we're working with them to know what kind of cadence does our market need in terms of how often they can take in. Um, new versions, new releases, how, you know, how, what is there, are there expectations about that? Um, some people want a much longer cycle, other people want something really fast. I mean, the, you know, the, the classic old time example of that was Flickr, who was delivering in, uh, into production like 14 times a day or something like that. Now lots of folks are doing more of that. So, um, so that's the delivering zone. And it, it requires that the team together has you know, very collective coding standards, has a, agreed on continuous integration and how they're gonna manage that. So they have to rely on those team collaboration skills that came out of the focusing zone. Those are all still needed, but now they're adding more sophisticated engineering approaches.
0: Yeah. So would you say the zones build on one another or are they side by side? So they do they
1: build on one another Um, and or at least they work in tandem. What what we tend to say is figure out what zone of fluency you need your team, you need from your team and then do everything you need to get there. So if you said to me in the beginning, I really need my team to be a delivering zone team, then we'd say, okay, well, there's all these skills that we would have in the focusing zone and there's all these skills that we would have in the delivering zone and let's just start. Mm-hmm. We don't, it, it takes longer if you say, okay, now let's get fully fluent in the, in the focusing zone. Okay, now we're there. Okay, now let's start on delivering zone. That just takes longer in our, in our experience. So we say, you know, go for the place you want to be, but you're going to need to include a whole, a greater body of skills. And so the other thing that happens is the further along in the zones you decide is what you need, the longer it's going to take you to get there just because of learning curves and, you know, all that. sort of. So it sounds
0: like you're saying that if I say I want to be in the delivery zone, I don't have to do everything that's possible in that zone in order to be successful, I can, I can go as far into the zone as I want to exactly. be. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, what's the third and zone? Then, so then the next zone. Uh, so I, I just want to say most teams that we run into, the most common is people want either focusing zone or delivering zone teams. Makes and delivering sense. zones are even more common than focusing zone teams. In terms of what people want, what we actually see is a flip of that.
0: <laughs> of what want. Yeah, it's like they may not know they yeah. need the focus zone, right. but they know they need yeah. the delivery. Yeah, zone. yeah so, that makes sense. So, um, so then
1: if, if, but if people say, well, wait, this still isn't quite enough. I mean, we're delivering on a market cadence, we're releasing at will, but we need But we need to be out there innovating. We need to be out there potentially disrupting a marketplace. Now, you know, now what do we need? Well, then we, well, you need optimizing zone teams. And these are kind of like the skunk works teams, the teams that really focus down on a whole product and learn that within the team, the the fluency is around not only the engineering parts of that product, or the, you know, the software parts of that product, but everything they need to know about what their customers want and need or their users want and need. And um, so that often what we, with the shift that we talk about that happens here is there's a sort of a, some changes in organizational structure. Because one of the things that we see a lot is that Um, those teams don't have enough business representation in the team to make fast decisions. So what we want from those is their ability to make decisions, to sort of own that product, know what they're going after. And, um, and, and maybe even have a budget that they're managing. Right. And so there's business representation in the team. There might be sales and marketing representation that the, the group of subject matter experts grows according okay. to you know what we're what we're putting in here and this happens in both software as a service and embedded software and hardware i mean these these things all go together
0: so, so you know, would yeah. you would you say that this space is what maybe people would say like product management business agility is that what's in this
1: yeah, well, we, the, this is the interesting one, is we call this the optimizing zone. And it is the zone, what we call agile's promise. Oh, it's I like the that. zone that a lot of people describe when they're saying, this is how you be agile, right? Mm-hmm. But not everybody needs this much effort. And they certainly don't need this much organizational disruption. Because now you've got to, you've got to hire a whole lot more people who can feed that business information into the teams and make sure every team has a full-time representative. So there's no waiting. We can move really fast. and there's no handoffs, right? Everybody, everything is right there. And the managers who probably needed to change a little bit how they managed in focusing and delivering because they need to manage teams and not individuals now. Now they need to, to probably be looking at managing groups of teams and they're probably working more laterally than vertically. So managers need to be communicating with each other about What parts of the what policies and procedures in the organization are getting in the way of the teams being effective? And they've got to work out the impediments at that level, Mm -hmm. and that's hard. That's hard work, and it often requires somebody with, you know, a real belief that this is the only way we're going to be successful. Someone in leadership that is willing to spend their internal social capital to make it happen.
0: Yeah. You know, and I hear you talk about this. Um, One of the ways that I've kind of described this in the past is there's scrum or Kanban adoption, right? That's what some people want. And then there's agile adoption. So they want Mm -hmm. to bring it more into the whole culture. And then there's agile transformation, which is a whole different beast. (laughs) And now it sounds like you're starting to really get into into what is transformation work? Yeah, uh, at least into the
1: beginning of it, mm-hmm. even into the beginning of it, because there's one more zone. Well, there's one and a half, one and a third more zones. Um, okay. And and But if you're in a large organization, probably if this is what you're looking at, this is the kind of potentially transformation that you're looking for, because most organizations don't start out With a structure, or a or an organization design that fits for these kinds of teams, so adjustments must be made, right? Yeah. So um, so there's one more. There is one more zone after this, but these first three zones they're the ones that we see all the time. Mm -hmm. The next zone is one we don't see very often, and we certainly don't see it in large organizations. It's a small organization zone. And we call it the strengthening zone because now the teams are not just focused on their own product, they are focused on the good of the whole organization. Mm-hmm. And that organization communication flows and such are, um, are, are it's possible to do that. We haven't, we, you know, are, we don't have communication overload yet. We can still know what's going on in other parts of the organization. We can still know whose product we all want to see get to market first, even though we may be working on different products at the time. Um, And and also things like these are the organizations, and this we call the organization culture shift, that these are the organizations that are trying out new governance models. They may be inventing new practices um, that that they then uh, contribute back into the agile world a lot of the new practices have come from experiments that people were doing in smaller organizations and, and they've contributed that back. Um, and so we see those kinds of things. Their, their, their view is bigger than just their team or their product yeah. on these teams. And we call that the strengthening zone because their focus is in strengthening the whole. Mm-hmm. The, the one remain and we, but we don't see very many teams there. And so yeah I don't put a lot of focus there, and if you look at the graphic representation of our model, you see there's a little tail that comes out of the <laughs> out of the strengthening zone, yeah and that's there to represent what else might oh. be in. and because we don't know that these four zones are the only zones that agile is capable of, and we are begin we have seen some teams, and you know, we're all talking about teams all the way through, we have begun to see some teams that are not only not limited to their product or not, or to their, you know, their features of their product or their own organization, but they're beginning to look at societal, you know, what can we, what is it that we're building that's good for the whole of society? And how do we need to organize ourselves to do that? Or how do we give back to our larger communities? And and those kinds of things. And so there are some teams that are beginning to adopt those ideas. And so we think there will. there's at least one more zone emerging, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough information about it to really describe it yet.
0: Yeah, well, this, uh, is, this has been really fascinating to listen to yeah. you talk about um, this model and yeah. to, to, to really see what your experience over the years Has taught you. You didn't just jump in and build something to go sell it. You, you. This is actually years of experience, and so Diana, our our listeners are going to want to know, like, yeah, and what are you doing right now, and how can I get some of this? Right. So, what would you say to that? Well, um,
1: my focus right now is primarily on, um, I mean, I've got a couple of writing projects going on because I always do, but most of my focus is on, um, on this, this Agile Fluency project and, and transferring, mentoring um, other folks into doing what we do. And uh, so the way we're doing that right now is we have uh, a workshop series that we do uh, comes out on about a quarterly basis. We've got a couple of other ones that, we're, that are kind of in the planning, but right now that's, we call it the Agile, Flu- agile Fluency Facilitators Workshop. And that is the workshop that helps people move from a, a, a more narrowly focused agile coaching practice, which is, you know, they could be quite expert in, yeah. to more of the idea of being a consultant or change agent Uh, either an outside consultant change agent or an internal change agent uh, that has the broader view about how to introduce their ideas into the organization and so on. And then we give Mm -hmm. them all the agile fluency materials. We call it the agile fluency suite, the agile fluency materials and and other tools that we've developed over time that they can then become, uh, get a license in. And um, you know the best way to, to discover about that is to look at our website. Uh, we have a page called Become a Facilitator. And we also have a page that lists our workshops and events that are coming up. And so people can read more about things there. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's a real pleasure to me in all of this is when people earn the license and we've had, uh, we've had more, well, well over a hundred people have gone through our program at this time. Um, but when someone earns a license, then part of that license to use the materials also comes with the opportunity to speak to their trainer or to me, uh, or to Jim sometimes when he's available. Um, and, and just, arrange for a half an hour of mentoring, kind of on call as, you know, as mutually convenient. Mm-hmm. And so I get to have all these amazing conversations mm-hmm. with people who are out there using, using our materials and using other people's materials too. You know, it's how I learn about things like worldly mapping and things that aren't, <laughs> aren't a part of our world, our scheme, you know, but are, uh, are also opening up the world. And, um, and I, you know, find like things like team topologies and the agile fluency model just really blend well together. Um, so there's a lot out there that I'm, I'm excited about and that I get to learn about from the people who've been through our program. And, and then I get to, you know, give, give them a little gentle nudge. I'm more, I wouldn't say I'm a co- I'm not a career coach or a professional coach in that way, but I am. I have served more of a mentoring role at this point in my career. Yeah. And so we just have wonderful conversations about what people want and need and where they wanna go, it's great.
0: Well, Diana, it's been really fascinating to talk to you about this and to, to hear your, your vision and your work with people and um, really just that your, your contributions continue. And you're you're really equipping people in this agile space to be um, to be successful. So I thank you for that. And this has been wonderful talking to you. And this is Cherie Silas with your Keeping Agile Coaching non-denominational podcast. Goodbye.